We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the California Golden Bearcast, which is our formal name. Proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Andy. I am the host tonight. Technically still a co-host. Alongside me, we have our insider. You've never heard of him before. Rob. And we are going to do a very special edition of the BearCast where I actually give a little bit of an interview to Rob to figure out what's been happening with with Cal Camp. But before we get into that, what's happening in Emeryville, my friend? What's going on? I don't know that I have any insider news. I'm, uh, I literally just went to practice and wrote what I saw. If you didn't read what I wrote, it's on riforcalifornia.com. You can check it out there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm an insider. I don't have any inside scoops. All, all I can talk about is what I saw in the field, which was not that many. There were only nine open practices. I missed two. Um, and the last one is actually in three days' time on Saturday. So that's all I am going off of. Well, I do think you sell yourself a little bit short, and maybe there is a little left to be desired on the whole uh, hype front that I was building you up towards. <laughs> I just want—I just want people to know that I don't have the answers to everything, and this is like purely based off of like what I saw with my own two eyes. And if you're okay with my takes and my view on stuff, I guess that's why you listen to our show. You listen to—you listen for it to listen to Andy and my takes and rarely do we like break any news on the podcast or anything like that but yeah that's uh that's pretty much where we're at you're you're gonna get uh the verbal version of uh all i saw at at camp so here's the thing we do break news on this podcast it just happens to be fake so it's not real yeah the one time we did break it right it wasn't real right we're still with under armor yep devastating all right enough of that i'm back to hype mode I am once again going to interview Rob here. We're going to pretend that he did not say everything that he just said and that he is an insider for the program. 
and we're going to learn a lot today about what's been going on at Cal Camp. For those of you that haven't had the time to read the articles, this is a great way to cheat. And since we went to the University of California, Berkeley, we don't do that at all. Wink, wink. All right. So <laughs> let's kick it off. Oh, shoot. So first we're going to, how this is organized, I'm just going to give a little bit of agenda here. We have fall camp general questions. And then we're going to work in some injury talk. For those that don't know, there have been a fair amount of injuries this fall camp. We're going to talk about coaches. And then we're going to go zoom out, just look at overall. But we're not going to tease too much because we will have a preseason hype episode coming. And I don't want to overshadow that too much and force Rob into a prediction that he will inevitably change within potentially a week. <laughs> yes. All right. Outside of OB Town actually being open and not closed, <laughs> what was the biggest surprise of fall camp so far? The biggest surprise of fall camp? Um, I'd have to say the expansion of the offense. Uh, you, you definitely see a lot more. I mean, it's fall camp, right? And Andy, you've been a part of fall camps, and you know how, how this kind of goes. But you know, you kind of install your offense or install your defense, uh, you know, in, in short, like small amounts, right? At each practice, you're doing something different. Like emphasis is something else. You're teaching the guys something different um, and like adding on to the previous days of practice. So let, fall practice, all right, just to backtrack, right? This is it's Wednesday, August 18th. So a week and a half ago on Friday is when fall camp first started. And uh, the last fall camp, so far that we were allowed to attend was this past Saturday, and that was like a scrimmage day. So realistically, they'd only been in camp for a week, and that includes a, a, a full off day as well. Um, so all things considered, they're they're chugging along slowly. Like they're implementing new things and, and new like offensive schemes and different personnel groupings, and you know at least from the offensive side. Defense, I think we all kind of already know what to expect um, from uh, – from a production standpoint and also from a schematic standpoint, there might be little small things that we change here and there and, and add in some new wrinkles. But all in all, it's the same offense that's run by, um, you know, Coach Wilcox and, of course, now Coach Sermon and then Coach Hayward as well, the, the new outside linebackers coach that's coming. So the biggest surprise definitely has been the offense and just seeing, oh, that, wow, but, you know, there's just moments of, oh, we're doing that now? Like, I don't remember seeing that in any of the 2020 games, which – leans even more into the whole argument of we didn't open our playbook in 2020, which Nico Remigio actually did comment on. And he said that we played really conservative last year. We didn't showcase everything that our offense can do. And it's been more, he said something about like the offense being more expansive um, this, this season. And so I think that just, it just plays a part into that and just helps support the fact that, yeah, the offense is going to be, pretty different uh compared to what we were doing last season and can you speak maybe a little bit more specifically to a position group if you were to say you know do you see that expanding in regards to the running back being you know the run game being featured differently or do you see that expanding in regards to the receivers or tight end playing a different role with somebody like jermaine terry uh, now with the team 
Like, uh, what do you, like just, I know you probably can't expand entirely into what the expansion is, but just trying to see if I can dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, I, I think the, one of the things that people should remember is that from a skill position group, we're relatively young. And, and by young, I mean depth-wise. So a lot of these guys are learning this type of pro-style offense for the first time particularly at the the tight end group definitely and the wide receiver group because i mean let's 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 break down a little bit right you look at the wide receiver group and the guys that carry over from last year trayvon carries over from last year nico carries over from last year um what's it uh kekoa carries over from last year like those are probably our three starter guys at the top of the rotation um and then you have a whole bunch of young guys that are on the roster didn't see the field at all last year um and you know, two pretty outstanding freshmen that have now come in underneath, right? So you got like guys like Monroe Young, who's been around the program for about three years now. You got uh, J- um, Justin Baker. You've got uh, Jeremiah Hunter. Now you have J. Mike, and you add you know Anderson and guys like Aiden Lee. And so there's there's a whole wide range of guys at the skill positions that are learning. And I think honestly, you know, Hunter said it in his post uh, practice interview where he was like it was nice just being on the sidelines last year just because i got to just absorb everything what they're being asked to do what the older guys do and how they do it. and you you see that kind of playing a big role into this season where a lot of the younger guys look way more ready to play now than they probably would have if we saw them last year um and i think that covid year I think allowed them at least a lot of them to focus more on the mental aspect of the game and getting the mental reps in and, and learning the playbook and getting the words and the just the little things down and then the play on the field you know that'll take care of itself because the guys are so talented so I think the wide receiver and so to answer your question I think the wide receiver group is probably one and the tight end group is probably the other I think the tight end group got deep over one offseason <laughs> which is incredible. I mean, we talk about Jermaine Terry all the time, but Kaleki Latu is, is, uh, is, I don't know. I don't know how to explain him. He's just, he's, he's such a unique body type at that position. He looks like a super tall wide receiver, but they play that he's, he's that tight end. He's six, seven. His catch radius is in, insane. Um, I've seen him make two catches during the practices we were at that were like, how in the hell is anyone supposed to guard against that? Like, you know, you're not going to see many corners in, in the Pac-12 that are above 6-2, right? That, like, you're not going to see that body type. So to put a 6-7 tight end either far out wide or, you know, uh, attached to the, the line and sending him out on routes against an outside linebacker or, or a deep corner, like – you're gonna you can throw you can overthrow him and he'll still catch it <laughs> like he's six right. seven um and then jermaine terry is just a force of nature you know like you you think you think he's gonna go on a pass route and then you see a six seven like 285 bowling ball coming at you like blocking you downhill <laughs> like i don't know i don't know what you're supposed to do with that um so i think those are the two two of the biggest groups and of course the older guys at tight end too like uh, Tonjus, I think still will probably be the starter on game one. I, he has the best command of what he's being asked to do um, and leads the younger guys and is probably the best all around tight end that we have as of right now. So I think that's that those are the two groups that have been the 
the little groups that I think you should keep an eye on moving forward, at least offensively. Okay, so it sounds like we've added depth at tight end, which is something I feel like we haven't necessarily felt Mm-mm. outside. You know, some some guys that we may remember, we may not uh, over the years. So that's great to hear. Now I I am obligated to check in on my favorite player, <laughs> Damian Moore. How has Damian Moore looked? I think he's uh, he's taken a, a lot of the reps with the first the first team and the second team, and that's probably because. He led the team in rushing last year, so you know just from the stats of last season, you're probably gonna you won't cement him as the number one, but he's gonna be in the mix for the ones and twos. But I mean, I said this in the in the comment section for one of my notebooks, or either either in the comment section or I wrote it in my notebook itself. I, the running backs look faster, um, and I know speed is relative, and you know we st- I don't think we still have that breakaway speed yet where a dude can just bust out a like hit the gap, and then he's just gone. Like, no one's catching him. I don't think we have that type of speed yet. But I do think our speed has gotten better. Chris, uh, Christopher Brooks, formerly Christopher Brown Jr., uh, looks faster. Um, he looks more nimble on his feet. I don't know if it's the strength and conditioning or the emphasis that uh, AT, Coach Aerosol Thompson, has brought into that running backs room. But they're a lot more agile. They're a lot more nimble on their feet. They're doing a lot more footwork uh, drills, like keeping upright and body balance. Um, so it's it's cool to see their tr- that transformation of all the guys. In terms of the the running game as a whole with the running backs, that's a TBD. Um, we got our first look at like contact on Saturday, but it was thud period, which means like. It's not full tackle going to the ground. It's like contact, and then it's the end of the play. So you don't really get the sense of how how like physical the run game is or what it's going to be capable of doing in between the tackles. Maybe we'll see that this Saturday if they actually go like full live tackling. I haven't heard one way or another if if it is going to be a live tackle period or full full contact period or or practice or if it isn't, but. That'll be something interesting to watch um, on Saturday uh, if they actually do go life tackling. Great. And I think one of the areas that, you know, everyone's probably pretty curious about is just looking on the offensive side, who's the biggest or and or best weapon that we have? Oh, God. Like, if I were to just pick one dude. Yeah, you got to choose one. God, I mean, I can I pick two or just go one A one B, one A one B. I think uh, in terms of pure offensive weapon, right? I think Kaleki Latu, and I'm gonna be saying his name a lot. I think a lot of Cal fans are gonna be saying his name a lot. I think he's at the tight end spot. He's the guy that you gotta be looking at and saying, oh. Like he, he's gonna be, he's gonna play, he's gonna play a lot in a lot of specific situations, and he's an immediate red zone threat. Like he's a tight end who's who's six seven. Like I don't know how you don't get him onto the field in red zone situations and just toss it up and ask him to go get it. So are you seeing a like Arcega Whiteside type mold out of him? Is that sort of what? No. If you were to ground. No, because our because like Arcega Whiteside, I think they kind of transitioned him into a bigger bodied wide receiver, right? In terms of in terms of Latu, like they're he's hands in the dirt, like attached. He's playing as an H back. 
like he's out wide and they motion him inside and into the slot like they they're uh, i mean that's all the tight ends right that's just not that's not only kalecki but f- with kalecki's body type they're still putting him in the tight end situations so they haven't transitioned him into into a wide receiver spot so we're going to see him all over the field but i it's just we haven't had that type of of body type right we haven't had a six seven wide receiver who can just go up and get it if you just toss the ball up to him um so i think that's why he's just he's just such a unique weapon to have I mean, we have the speedsters, right? We have the bakers. We have the Remigios. Uh, we have, like, the all-around types of, like, Kikoa and Trayvon um, who have great hands. We haven't had, like, just I'm five I'm, – I'm, like, seven inches taller than you, and I'm going to just grab the ball out of the air before you can even touch it. Um, we haven't had those types. So that's why it's so intriguing to me to have a guy like Kalecki um, in the roster really seems like that's straight from the david shaw playbook uh, or the stanford playbook of of yesteryear in that they used to have those super tall guys that, and we would have elite defensive backs and it didn't matter because they could just elevate the ball and you're lining up if you're six feet and you're going up against someone that's six seven well more unless you have an insane that. vertical and the other person doesn't have any vertical. That's really the only situation in which it's not going to be an advantage to the offense. Yeah. That is one of the more exciting things, I think, that we've probably heard on the offensive side of the football in a while because it actually adds an entirely different dimension to what we're doing with, in, in regards to player personnel right. that we haven't had. I mean, people also forget, like, we have a new tight end coach, right, who has NFL pedigree. And you have, a, you have an offensive coordinator who has – really long NFL pedigree and the two of them actually work together in Denver. Um, so there's a lot of continuity there. And I think coach Jeep knows what coach Musgrave wants out of his tight ends and he's coaching them up to do so and giving him, you know, more different types of body types, different types of like play styles that Musgrave can work with. But at the same time, giving all of the tight ends that same foundation of this is how you play with your hands in the dirt. This is how you block. You know, this is how you you know, go out on routes. Like this is how you pass pro. Like if you're in the H back spot, this is how this is how you're cutting across the block and so on. So, I think the foundation is there. It's just the potential of all these ty- different types of tight ends is just is is intriguing to say the least. Um, just seeing that because I think I think most football watchers that are Cal fans, like you know, the one thing we've always wanted is. Build out a tight end spot. Like you can, you can, you can pass catch with them. You can block with them. Like it's just such a nice position to have in your offense, and we just haven't had that for a long time. I know we've wanted to do it under Wilcox. I feel like this is finally the first year that we actually have a stable of tight ends that can do everything that we want. Like they're not just a blocker or they're not just a pass catcher. Like they're actually all of them have a versatile skill set now. I think I go back directly to the first Wilcox press conference, which, you know, he said he's going to bring back the tight end. Mm-hmm. And we've been waiting almost on that. Took a while. For a while. And it sounds like we're here. So with three, about three minutes left, because I'm going to time this out to be about 20 minutes per segment here, give me your best defensive weapon, knowing I have one more question to ask after that. Uh, defensive weapon? I... I, I mean, the easiest answer here is Chiggy. Um, he's definitely been the best DB so far. He's, he's been outstanding. And 
it it's been so fun to watch his development um just to see how far he's come and how good he is now and he also prides himself on being the best, best trash talker on the team um so it is it is fun seeing that and you hear the guys yell it um a lot too so when you're at practice you'll hear a lot of the trash talking that occurs if you if you sit closer to the the field but I'd have to say Chiggy uh, defensively, but the the dark horse candidate here, I think, is um, just the D-line as a whole because there's so much depth there that we haven't had. We have depth at nose guard. We have depth at end, and then now moving coin to the outside at outside linebacker slash DE, like, that's it's terrifying. Like, as if I'm an offensive coordinator, like, planning, like, do I slide my protections to shift against, like, you know, coin who's six, seven and has like, you know, can play all the passing lanes or do I shift it to cam good? Who's arguably one of the best outside linebackers in the conference. Like I don't, I don't know what I do. And then you have, you know, the three guys in the middle that just can eat up space now um, and are good. And with Luke Beckett now officially being back too, that rotation with the younger guys that have come in like Derek Wilkins and Achille and JH Tevis's development and um, uh, Stanley and Ricky Correa, like, there's just so many guys that are now that you that Andrew Browning has bodies to work with versus the last few years. Like we've struggled to put bodies out there, which is why we like put Brett Johnson, who's probably best suited for to play defensive end, has been playing nose guard. Like we just haven't had the bodies, but now we do, and so that's the that's the big thing to watch is to see how much can the defensive line now impact the line of scrimmage on defense in. How much can they get pressure and, and, and plug the run gaps? I think that'll play a big part into how the rest of the defense plays now and puts a huge, like, new dimension on what this defense can do. That, I think, would be a very welcome sight to many Cal fans in that we've just n- not quite ever had that intimidation factor. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of it through blitzes. But we in disguising, but we in disguises, but we haven't necessarily been able to just match up in a really positive way on the D line. Yeah. So that's great to hear. All right, I'm gonna move us on. We're gonna move over to the coaching side. Give us the most fun new coach on the staff. Oh. Uh, and I called this the GA question. Who is the GA of this new coaching group? I think the most interesting person to talk to, and it's a two-parter because I think the most interesting person to talk to and the easiest one to talk to, like you'll get fun answers out of, is probably Coach Christ, the new tight ends coach. Um, but the most like fun and you'll get the best sound bites out of, it's, it's a toss-up between Coach Watson and uh, Coach Thompson. Like Thompson has some really good like one-liners that you'll hear. Um, he's just super fun to talk to, but... Yeah, I think those two guys are probably like they match up for sound bites. But Chris definitely is like he's willing to like open up and talk to you about whatever. Um, so like talking to him about the tight ends and stuff. Like if you haven't had a chance, like go go to the Cal Bears YouTube channel and watch the post game presser with uh, Jeep. Like he's 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 very insightful. Um, and he like he has coach speak, but he also doesn't have coach speak. So he'll use coach speak in certain circumstances, but like there's a lot of times where he'll just he just says you know, as if you're like talking to him over a coffee. So it's it's real nice to talk to Coach Jeep, but I'd say probably those three guys. And as you look at positional groups, who is 
you know, are the takers still going to be the most fun to watch during games? Uh, Is it even called the takers anymore? Have they evolved the name? They have evolved Uh, the name. Okay, give us the new name, and then also, will that be the group for us to focus attention to? Okay. Or on as fans. I, I can't remember who told me this, whether it was Elijah Hicks or it was Chicky. But they did say I was like, What's the is there a new name for the and he said uh he said Coach Watson kind he said there's it's not official official yet, but they kinda want that group to be like the go guys or the go team. And what he means by that it's like, you know, just going after interceptions, going after the tackle, going after the play, going after practice, like just always on go. Um, and that's, I think that name might catch on, um, honestly that, but the, in terms of like the DBs and the takers and are they there? I don't know. It's, they're very young. It's a very, very young DB group. Um, you might not think that it is, but it is, uh, in terms of experience and, and playtime, because look, you, Elijah Hicks starter. You got Daniel Scott, who's a rotation guy with the takers, right? And then you got Chiggy, who's a, who's been a rotation guy. And then you got Josh Straden, who's been a rotation guy slash your nickel corner, who has been running at cornerback with the ones, too. So I think he's your starting cornerback alongside Chiggy, probably, most likely. And then he, he slots into the nickel when you go into a nickel package, and probably someone else comes on and, and plays that corner. I would think it's probably going to be I don't know who who would I say um we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't have my notes on me, so um, probably one of the younger guys. But yeah, Jalen Martin maybe. Um, so looking at that, the rest of the roster, it's like you got like Raymond Woody, the transfer from FSU, Isaiah Humphreys, transfer from Penn State, um, and then, you know, like Craig Woodson, um, and Tyson McWilliams and, uh, oh goodness, you're, let's, it's like quizzing me on all these names and numbers that I have tried to memorize over the last week and a half, but you get my point. There's a lot of names on under there that as a Cal fan, you probably haven't heard maybe ever if you're not like an into the weeds roster guy, like some of us are. So with that being said, like that's why those guys are, I think, gonna be good. But also, it's it's a question mark because we just haven't seen them take like eighty five percent of the snaps in a game, and be the number one guy. Like Chiggy is gonna be is gonna have to be our number one corner, but he he's never been in that role before. Like 
will he be able to step up into that role? I think he can, but it, until the until the ball's kicked and, and football's played, we just won't know. And some of the rotation guys, you know, in at the safety position outside of Hicks, it's like those guys are going to get a significant number of more snaps. Will they be able to perform at that level with those amount of snaps versus being set up in certain situations and being told like you know small little details to do? So that's why I I, I don't I don't want to put too much pressure on this group of DB guys. I think the potential is there. Uh, to be as good as the takers, maybe even better. Maybe it's not this year. Um, fingers crossed it is this year. But that's kind of where I'm at with that DB group. It's like I don't think it's going to be the strength of this defense, at least for this season. That, to me, is actually shocking. I would have thought with the depth, Chiggy playing two last year, and you know, Elijah Hicks being a member of the takers, plus – you're talking about guys that are slotting in that have experience. You know, you're Josh Drayden's made, you know, he's had two of the most impressive defensive games I've ever seen a defensive back play. I specifically remember that Washington state game where he played out of his damn mind. So to me, that's very surprising that that would be the group that has the big question mark just because of past precedent. And then also because you're not talking about resetting down to super young guys that have never played before. Mm -hmm. You're just talking about like expectations in regards to these guys kind of meeting the moment more so than anything else. Right. All that to say, that's uh, appreciated and it's very, very interesting. So as far as what positional group will take the biggest leap this year uh, versus last season, I feel like you kind of touched on that with defensive line, but I'm opening it up to maybe more specifically a specific coach having the biggest impact at that positional group year over year, and whether it be new or, you know, one of the returning coaches. So that's actually a really interesting question because um, the one group that I've been able to focus on a lot during practice because of where I sit, um, is the inside linebackers in Coach Sermon. Like, just sitting there and watching Coach Sermon coach the inside linebackers, like, and what they do and how he talks to them and how he coaches them up, it's very interesting. If you ever have the chance to come to practice and watch, like, sit during the individuals, like, or, like, groups, group drills, sit in front of the inside linebackers. It's so much fun to watch if you're a big, like, football nerd because he's, like, talking about, like, all right, like, when you're in this zone and, like, you know, this specific zone set and you're in – this play like because they're in tandem right it's always two inside linebackers like what do you do here like when he shifts and you follow this guy like what are you supposed to tell like who do you tell on the outside what is their assignment like and it's it's this like pseudo quiz jeopardy but like you're also moving with your body and like making sure you're in the right spot and how you're like turned and where your hips are facing like all of that um like it's just so much it's so intriguing because you don't realize how much is going through like an inside linebacker's mind in terms of the spatial awareness around you. Like if the guy is coming in this way, then I have to make sure to like like hand signal or like, you know, verbally tell my partner or the corner outside to do this, you know, to cover because I'm taking it. Yeah, but it's, it's a super, super intricate and super interesting. So I highly recommend you do that. Um, so in terms of like the coach that's probably going to make the biggest jump or coaching-wise in terms of their position group, it's got to be the inside linebackers. Um, every name that you see at inside linebacker this year is going to be relatively new, right? 
Like, we don't have the Coin Dang or the Evan Weaver or the Jordan Kanasic anymore. Like, our starting linebacker this year could be ISF and Tattersall. Like, those are two guys that, sure, we've seen, like, you know, flashes, right, and moments of. But we haven't seen them, like, you know, going like, oh, yeah, he's like a for sure guy on the 2D. Like, we don't talk about those guys' names that much. But we're going to have to this year because it's going to be that rotation of probably Tattersall, uh, Iasefa, Trey Pastor, who looks really good at inside linebacker just because of his frame and where he's coming from being a safety um, and his ability to read the game um, from that spot. And then Ancelotto's. Um, those are probably your four guys that are in that in that two deep rotation, and who knows who the two starters are out of that group. I honestly think it could be a. Cr- you, if you told me to bet two names out of those four who'd be the starter, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Like it's, they've been mixing and matching every single person, and I think it's because they want to try and find which tandem works the best. On top of them, might maybe doing like you know heavy rotating, so that they need that those reps with you know your other partner right or another guy so you're not you're not only glued to like oh yeah i'm tattersall's partner like and i know what he does like from just a mental standpoint like i know what his tendencies are so i know how to cover for him and he knows how to cover for me but instead you need all those reps with all the other guys to be able to cover and and be able to mix and match so i think that's what they're going for it's way early in this in fall camp too It it was only week one so that's probably why they were rotating um but yeah, I mean, those four guys are definitely probably the the four names I'm thinking of. I mean, Isefa hasn't really been a part of camp. Uh, he's been doing his own like training and stuff. But coaches also hasn't said that he's like out long term. The only like real long term guys that we've heard of that he's out that's out is of course Brett Johnson. Um, General Williams has had to retire. That's offensive line. Um, of course, we know all all know about uh, Mike Safel, who's medically retired as well. And then uh, Caleb Alarms or uh, KEO, he's out. Hisatake, also out. So those are the only ones we know for sure are out for the year. Um, We don't know about all the other guys that have had little nicks. Like we've seen my practice. They just haven't been like fully practicing with the team. So we'll see how that goes. But I think those, regardless, we saw how good ISF was last year. Right. That Oregon game, I think, is that alone is, is huge. So... We know that he's he has the talent, but yeah, inside linebacker feels like a good group and an exciting group because a lot of people are looking at Sermon and wondering both with him and Hayward how the defense is going to look, mm-hmm. and probably there's a lot of eyes and a lot of judgment going to be coming his his way this year. Mm-hmm. So let's transition now over to injuries because you kind of talked on a couple of players that I believe have suffered injuries a bit during fall camp. So first let's take a high level view of this. Does it feel like there's more injuries this year than in years past? Uh, I don't, I would, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say there's more injuries. I think it's just on par. I mean, you've been around teams to know like injuries during camp. It's like, there's so many freak injuries. They're not like, they're not like hamstring injuries, right? Where you're like running and you like pulled up a hammy, like, if we had a bunch of guys just pulling up their hammies, like that's when you know there's an issue with like the strength and conditioning program and it, you know, other things that went wrong. But you know, in the game of football, in the moment, like you just there's just so many things that can happen, 
Like injuries are abound in the game of football. So I don't think there's necessarily more. Does it feel like there's pro more? Probably just because we've seen them a lot more. But and like we're seeing all the guys like out. But that's the question I have would be like how many of those guys are like injured or like, you know, just like let's say knocked nicked up, right? You know, like maybe they, they sprained their ankle very lightly and they're out for a couple of days. Like how many of those guys in, in a regular like scenario would just be like working out in the gym downstairs but like because we had that entire year of covid like how many of those guys are now more willing to spend more time out on the field right like just on the bike or doing other exercises like along the field so i don't i don't know the answer to that question and it mm -hmm. might be that might play a part into why we we see more guys like just doing like warm-up stuff on the side um but yeah i i I wouldn't say it's a, neither like more or less just circumstances. Right. That's fair. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's fair. You can kick the can down the road on that one. I'll allow it. <laughs> Honestly, Who's, I don't know. I just don't know. Who is the biggest loss so far of those that have gone down? I mean, it's Brett Johnson. <laughs> I mean, um, there's no question about it. I think the fact that he was the only player on the roster going into the spring game listed at defensive line like everyone else had a position right and this dude this dude's position is an entire group like that just if you're a football if you're a football fanatic like that just got you hyped because that means that there's no like he's versatile enough that they're gonna play him at nose they're gonna play him at end like who knows they might have stood him up and played my outside linebacker too like we we just won't know this season um but I, it has to be Brad Johnson. The dude was the dude was primed for like this is his like year because like his first year it was his freshman year playing nose guard, right? Last year it was COVID, <laughs> and then this year was gonna be like his full like year with all those years of like strength and conditioning, and then his injury happens, and it's just like what what can you do? And he's out for the out for the year. Um, at least that's what they're s still saying. So. Which is weird because we had a press conference with him, so I was like, "Oh, is he coming back?" But then he's like, "No, like you know, my my recovery's on schedule, and I'm just trying to get back whenever I possibly can." So I was like, "Oh, okay." It's a non-eventful news presser with a guy who's <laughs> injured, but okay. Uh, but yeah, I think it has to be Brett Johnson. I don't think there's there's anyone else that can that can take that spot. I mean, if I were to choose like one offensive player, I think Mike Safel, like. People underestimate the loss of a starting center um, who calls out your your protections, like picks out the blitzers, like all of that, and to break in a new one. Like, granted, we had a backup center last year, and I think it was Cindric, um, but to to break in a brand new one, like just over fall camp, like it's not like you know they. I mean, who knows? Who knows what what conversation went on behind behind closed doors, but. As the public, we didn't find out that Safel was medically retiring until the week of fall camp. So if we're going to go based on that timeline, it's like you have four weeks to pretty much 
cement a guy as your starting center now instead of like all throughout spring and into the summer. Like, you know, when Addy Ooms like left and he graduated, like they knew they had to replace him. So they probably spent all of spring and summer like figuring out who they wanted to replace him. And like not just promoting the number two guy, but after you promote the two guy, then you have to plug in someone else to play as the backup center now. So if we're going off of just like the public schedule, then it's like we're two weeks. We're two weeks into trying to find a center and a new backup center, which that's not that's not ever good. And of those that you've seen or maybe that have happened more specifically like on the field in fall camp, is there anyone that you think is out for the season? Hard to say. I mean, you know, you know, like Coach Coach Wilcox and like his coach speaker, right? Like he, until they tell us like he's out for the year, we just won't know. And even if they're out for the year, we don't know what injuries they are out for the year for, right? We'll just we just know that it's a lower body injury and an upper body injury. Um, so I don't think Wilcox has updated uh, the media on any new injuries yet. That might change. I think maybe on Saturday when we get a uh, scrimmage and. We can ask him about guys who haven't, who didn't suit up um, on Saturday that we saw suiting up prior. But that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. And what you guys just heard was Rob not taking the bait that I put out there and answering that very professionally. Well done, reporter Rob. Well done. All right. Let's transition to overall. So now we're gonna zoom out big picture. All right. I'm gonna start it off with a fan question okay this one is from my buddy jay co how do we match up against the top end of the conference i <laughs> i wish i could answer that like with a simple question or a simple answer but i mean we're we're expecting okay who are we expecting the top of the conference to be uh oregon sc yeah uh asu um, are they are they still allowed to play? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I think they have three three coaches on uh, paid leave right now, so uh, three position coaches. So we'll see how that goes. But at least from a talent standpoint and what they have on field, right? ASU, um, probably. What about Utah? Is Utah still rebuilding? I don't know. I actually haven't looked in the Utah at all. So and Colorado was good last year too. So I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat it or not. Uh, Carl Durrell, do you do you believe? Do you believe in Carl Durrell? Didn't they lose their quarterback? Didn't their quarterback transfer out after this after this past year? I think they I think they did because they have J T. Shroud now. You remember J T. Shroud? I do. Yeah, they have. I think they have J T. Shroud now. So, yeah, I think they lost their starting quarterback. So they're replacing that that too. And uh, I think U Dub is probably the other guy you're probably looking at. Although they have so many guys like injured or like transferring out that I believe they only have like three scholarship linebackers on the roster <laughs> like they're they're in deep doo-doo like they're in a lot of trouble uh the dark horse really for me is oregon state mm, well offensively i don't know if their defense yeah. is going to take a big step but i don't know but their offense is good enough to to play with the best so i i think that we saw it last year that they they have a good team i mean but to be fair last year covid like you know COVID. We'll see, man. COVID. We'll see. That's my that's my dark horse pick. All right. Okay. So to, let's just say the top in the conference, like it's the same teams that everyone is used to seeing, and we'll just set the expectations as like what the top of the conference was last year. I think it was Washington, Oregon, us. I mean, what sucks this year? I, what sucks in any freaking odd year 
is like our home and away schedule is atrocious. Like we play so many of the good teams away. <laughs> like it's it's quite unfair how many good teams we have to play away. Because I believe we play we play at LA, so we don't get we get SC at home. Um, and then we have to go to Oregon and U and UW and Stanford. Like all three are away. I you know it's just just the way it goes. I mean, we beat Washington when we went to Washington last time. Granted, it was the the lightning game with like a three hour delay. We almost beat Oregon when we went up there two years ago, um, and we like. It was just it was one of those games that was winnable, and we didn't we we ended up not pulling it through because we didn't have Chase, because um, he was injured the week before, and so, yeah, it, it's just one of those one of those crapshoot things. But how do we match up? I mean, Oregon's defense is going to be Oregon's defense, and Tim DeRoyder is now their defensive coordinator, so they're going to kind of know how Wilcox likes to make decisions, at least in certain situations. Granted, the offense is going to be totally different, right? But like, you know, what what type of situations you have to put Wilcox in for him to make calls? Like, is he going to go for it here? Is he, does he like to run it in these situations? Does he like to, you know? So that's the that's the crapshoot is that that defensive coordinator with Yates over there, too. Like they know they know exactly what kind of what we want to do. And the talent level that they have in that on that Oregon defense compared. I mean, not eh, compared to us, too. I mean, let's be real. Um, and that scheme is going to be devastating. Like Kayvon Thibodeau might set records, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a big, it's a big question mark. At least against Oregon, I think we have a really good shot at beating UW. I think I don't think that team's as good as people think they are, and they have a lot of issues around that team. SC is like the big one, right? Um, like they don't have some of their like big wide receivers anymore, like the big name ones, but they still have a lot of talent, offense and defense. We'll get them here though, so maybe we could beat them. But I, I don't know. I think, I think from a, if we were just to wrap up the question, like match up against the top teams in the conference, I think, I think we're right there in the conversation. I think we're on the cusp, and maybe it's all the sunshine that I'm pumping, but. Um, I think we're right. I don't think we're in that upper echelon of, of big, like the best teams in the conference yet. Could this be the year that we finally break through into it? Like if we can knock off, let's say two out of those three teams, right? Like we beat two out, two out of Oregon, UW, USC. I think you could say that we've entered into that upper tier of the conference, but we just, I think, I think you could say that we just haven't, we just haven't done it on a consistent basis enough. Right. Like we beat yeah. SC one year, like we beat Oregon one year, we beat we've beaten UW three straight years, um, but like we haven't done it like in a former fashion that's like oh like they're for real, right? There's always a little asterisk in every single one of those wins. Like we just need we need one we need two wins against three of those teams that are like cemented like that's a win. Whether it was a defensive win or an offensive win, like it's just that's a win. There's no asterisk. There's no there's no only a pick six. Like, you know, touchdown, there's no lightning delay. There's no, um, like, JT Daniels and, like, other guys, like, trash-talking and, you know, giving us yards. Like, there's none of that, right? It's just flat out, we played a solid game and we beat them fair and square. We just need two of those. 
what's your biggest concern going into week one? Offensive line, continuity and gelling. They've moved around the offensive line guys a lot. Um, and that's probably because over the first week, they just want to give as many guys as many snaps in every single position as possible. That's kind of what they've been doing with all the position groups. Um, coach Christ, the tight end coach, did say – I asked him about it, and he said, uh, at least from the, the tight ends, what, they, what they've done is they let the older guys kind of pick and choose plays or, like, sequences that they want to practice or they want to showcase a little bit. And then the younger guys, they're just plugging in into as many snaps as they can possibly get just so they can get in the reps and um, just get that muscle memory in. Um, I It looked to me as if that's kind of the mentality across the whole team, across every single position group. So that's why the offensive line is a bit tricky for me is because, okay, yeah, let's say that's in place. But at the same time, I'd kind of want to see the first team and the second team or the first team offensive line and maybe like the 1.5s, right, to, to start gelling a bit. Uh, because you're replacing a center, because you're replacing potential, uh, one of your guards who is projected to start right in gentle, you're going to have to move some guys around. Um, and Will Craig also has, has been nicked up. I, I think he's fine. Um, it, it I think he's, there's not a big deal with Will Craig. I mean, we, as I said, we haven't been told that it's a long-term injury, so we have to just assume that it's not a long-term injury. Um, so, yeah, just just one of those things where I just want to see them gel a little bit. And if we don't, if we don't see the offensive line gel, I'll start. I'll start slowly turning on the alarm clocks or the alarms. If on Saturday when we go to watch open practice again, like the offensive line, like isn't looking good, especially if it's like live tackling, then I'm like, oh god, like this could be bad against Nevada if we don't get our shit together quickly. And while we're on that topic of Will Craig, have you heard anything on the status of J. Mike or Jeremiah Hunter as well? Well, Hunter was in a post-game presser, um, and he was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm good to go. They just, they're just holding me back on a couple of things. But, like, he's – they're all suited up. That's the issue. Like, they're all suited up, and they're, like, just, like, doing stretches and stuff on the side. So that's why, for me, as, like, a, a, a armchair physician – thinks that it's not much because why would they be out there stretching and, and getting warmed up um, and like trying to get into, you know, getting over whatever is nagging them to play. If it was a long-term injury, I think if it was a long-term injury. They wouldn't be on the field. So yeah. Um, once again, I don't have the answers to that. Uh, and that's where we're at. I think, I think they're all fine. I, if you, if you, if you told me to put a betting line on it, I'd say all of them are fine. And all of them should be ready to go soon. Um, that's probably where I would put it. And the way Jeremiah was talking at the presser was like he was like smiling, like he wasn't sad or upset, like he was smiling, having fun. And I don't know how you can be like that if you're like injured out long term. Plus, they wouldn't put him on the banner if he was out long term. Um, I think it's just like just a little nick here and there. As as Hunter said at his presser, he's like everyone at this point in camp is like has a little bit of, like, nagging injuries. There's nothing you can do about okay. it. Well, the last question is kind of a fun one. How good did it feel to watch football again in person? Oh, to be at Memorial 
sunshine coming down. I have a tan line on my forearm and on my ankles. It's like it's pretty bad. It's really bad. The ankle one is particular. It's like really really bad. Um, but yeah, just to be out there in in the sun, like I can't wait for game day. Um, I absolutely can't. I think it's it, the the atmosphere is going to be electric. Everyone back. You know, granted, I think everyone's going to be masked up. Um, I'm not I'm not sure about what the what the guidelines are uh, from the city of Berkeley, but you know it is full capacity. So, however many people come out to memorials, however many people come out, I believe it's a gold out game on September fourth, night game, seven thirty, and I think the first ten thousand fans get like a rally towel. Um, so it's gonna be fun, and I. God, it was like when the first practice, I like walked through the North Tunnel and I like came came and sat down in my seat. I was like, uh, this is what it felt like. Like this, this feels <laughs> this, this feels normal again. And I'm not going to lie, man, like that, that like first practice, like I had my uh, my practice notebook was like all over the place because my eyes weren't used to because I haven't been to practice in over a year. Right. So I have. <laughs> My eyes were like adjusting to what am I supposed to watch for again? Like, what am I supposed to be looking for? Like, how am I supposed to write my notes down? It was it was an absolute mess. It was it it was a disaster. First first day it was a disaster. That's probably why my notebook was probably the shortest because of how badly I took notes. <laughs> Everyone's a little rusty on their first day. Oh right? my, it's not just you. Oh my, no worries. Oh my goodness. All right, finally, the fan questions. You'll notice I sprinkled a couple of them in there, but we do have two more additional ones. The first comes from Sean McNally, and Rob, it is specifically addressed to you. <laughs> I think this is slightly addressed to you, too. You you definitely have a, a view on this. The rumor is the Bears are going for the gold tops and the white pants for the opener. What are your thoughts? Can you answer this first? I want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, I know. So I guess the main thing for me is like they did the gold out for the, you know, that's what I've been uh-huh. seeing is yeah. coins, this gold yeah. out. And I just, I have a gold Jersey. I just don't rock it as much. Yeah. And actually now that I think about it is my, is my 17 Jersey. I think it might be a gold one. Uh, so I might actually have, yeah more than i gave myself credit for i could always go check right now but how many but how many cal fans have like non non jersey like cal gold like gold clothing i think i think my dad it's just definitely not the most like it's more like the blue the blue gold i think color Mm -hmm. scheme blue dominant gold secondary is probably the most popular i just am sad because i mean i'm gonna wear my deshaun jackson white you know that's it. It's already been decided. It's the number one jersey. It's the white jersey. So that's it. That's where I'm at. And I won't be golding anything out, which will be a bummer. Except maybe my hat, which will have a gold brim. That's those are my thoughts. I so here's my thing. You're saying gold out, right? Why not wear all gold? Why wear white pants? Right? Am I the only one that thinks this? Like, we have gold pants. You've seen us wear the gold pants. Like, why not just go, like, wear the blue helmets, which is because that's the only helmets we have. You really want us to look just like West Virginia. 
I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying for a gold out game, it like makes no sense to like half ass it and go white pants. Like, why not just go full gold? <laughs> and yes, we're gonna look exactly like West Virginia. Um, but then again, the other side is West Virginia looks exactly like us. Yep. So I think, yeah, I said, why, why would we go for the white pants? Just go for the all gold, man. It makes no sense. No sense to me at all. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. I was going to say, when was the last time we went gold and gold? But there's clearly a picture of Jared Goff where it's gold and gold. Yeah, uh, we did. Against Arizona. Yeah, yeah. We had like the all white look with Jared Goff with the blue helmets. We had the all gold look. We had the all gray look. Um, we ha- and we had the all blue look. It was back in the Nike days. Yeah. Do you remember like that that jersey unveil? Do you know who? Do you remember who unveiled that jersey? No. It was Marshawn. They like gave. I remember. I remember this distinctly. They gave like a box to Marshawn. He like opened it and it was like filming his reaction. Like it didn't show you what the jerseys looked like, but. It just showed Marshawn, and he's like, "Oh, these are dope! Like, you know, the guys are gonna love this." Yeah, like, yeah. Um, Remember that? And uh, yeah, that that was how they unveiled unveiled those jerseys. Have they ever rocked the gold top white pants? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's clean. I like it more than you. I think. I think you do. I don't. I I think it's clean. The gold top is nice. I'm just saying, like, why not just go for the all gold? Like. I mean, we ran the we ran the gold tops when we beat you know the Washington State in the Ross Bowers like flip and the you know the the smoked out game like that. That's like still a a memorable game wearing the gold jerseys. Smoky game. Yep. How many of those are we gonna have? All right, another day for that one. Thank you, Sean. Great question. All right, last question for you, Rob. Do we have any boosters that will pay our players uh, from my buddy Jayco? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, and the reason I doubt it is because I think you you know as well, like the NLI laws and like, you know, is there's a big, huge gray area, at least this year. Right. Because um, they're still like they like put it together really quickly. And it's like, how how are you going to like how are you going to regulate? any of what's going on right like all these players are signing with agencies are you can you guarantee that the players that are signing with agencies are only being uh consulted on marketing deals like can we guarantee that i don't think we can um and then some of these and then like florida comes out with that thing of like if you're a booster for the for the program like you can't sign nli deals with players like florida came out and did that and i think I think it was a way to get ahead of the curve of like, we don't want this thing of like the NCAA looking into us that we're paying or like, you know, under the table, like handshake agreement with recruits and like saying, yeah, if you come here, like this guy's going to sign you up for his car dealership, you know, with a, you know, eight grand deal. Right. Like I think what a disaster. So I think uh, I I think that's why there's not going to be a lot of universities that have any ties with boosters and NLI. Well, Rob, you made it through the gauntlet. Woo-hoo! It might have been as challenging as hot ones, maybe not so much. Woo! You did a great job. We really appreciate you giving us the full report. My mouth is on the fire. Depth should be should be. I think that was ninety five five right there. Woo! So appreciate your time. And 
This concludes. Wait, am, our... am I being kicked off the Golden Bear cast? Am I not being called back? TBD. <laughs> TBD. We're going to need a little bit more spice into some of those answers. You know, not the program approved answer. Uh, Overall, that was great, Rob. Really appreciate you taking the time to do it. And for those that were listening, we hope you got a lot out of it. And we're only, I want to say, I was trying to do the math in my head. Two weeks. 16 days. Yeah. Two weeks away from opening day. So this is right around the corner. The last open practice is this Saturday. Yeah. And then it closes. I mean. And we are on our way. I mean, to be fair, college football actually starts in a week because we get. We get a Hawaii versus UCLA on the 28th, which is next Saturday. So, you know, we can watch. It's here. We can watch UCLA. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching, I'm watching. I'm watching UCLA. Maybe, maybe that's our Korean fried chicken night. Maybe okay. that's fried chicken and watching UCLA get dismantled by you. Well, yeah. All right. Well, thank you all to our listeners and. As we always say here on the Bearcast, go Bears. Go Bears. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.